a moment to pray. Um, I think one of the, the things that's challenging me a lot at the moment is, am I personally listening to what God is saying to the extent I'm saying, God, I want to do what you say? And, and I, I share that with you. Just That's been a, a strong conviction for myself because um, somebody who's a pastor like myself, you're in the Word, you're teaching people all the time, and, and sometimes you can always be thinking about what God's saying to everybody else rather than what he's saying to you. And so I think something really important for us tonight is, is Lord, what you're saying to me? What you're saying to me? And uh, this morning I, I preached this, this uh, message in Musenberg, and, and I asked the congregation afterwards, after I'd finished preaching, to, to just give some feedback. What, did, what, did, what do we believe God is saying to us as a church? What is God saying to us individually? And we'll see how it goes. Maybe we'll do that a bit tonight, so I'll put you on the spot as well as me being on the spot. And maybe we want to ask ourselves tonight, what do, what do we feel the Lord is saying to us as a church um, if we to step out in faith? So let's, um, let's just take a moment to pray and then um, we can get into, I guess, one of those really exciting chapters we have in the Bible on faith. Just reminded as I, I pray that... Um, um, of that, that account where, um, remember where Peter said to the Lord, if it's you, just tell me to come and I will. And, uh, and Jesus said, okay, come. And Peter jumped out of the boat and amazingly found himself walking on water for the first few steps. And then he began to realize that actually being out on the water is quite a scary place. And he began to see the wind and the waves and and as he saw the wind and the waves, something began to happen inside his heart. And the Bible tells us, instead of walking on the water towards Jesus, he began to sink. And I just had a sense tonight that that may be true of, of, of some of us here, that we, we've, we've been willing to obey God and we've, we've stepped out in faith and we've taken that step of faith. And when we realize that it's actually quite a scary place, once you step out in faith and you just do it, you know, it's great to think about doing it, but when you actually do it and you take that step of faith, you find yourself looking at all this and you're saying, Wow, this is, Lord, this is quite a scary place. And, and as Jesus is, and, and Peter go back into the boat, Peter's like, um, Yeah, you can imagine he's a little bit embarrassed about that. And Jesus starts to speak to him about having faith, keeping his eyes fixed on him. So, God, I pray tonight. Uh, for all of us over here, so that, Lord, we would be a church that can be spoken of as being a generation of faith as well. And, and God, I, I do want to pray that you'll help all of us here, including me, to be people of faith. Um, now, Lord, people who are willing to step out because of what we believe, people who, who are people of conviction, who stand where we stand and hold on to what we hold on to because we really believe you, Lord. And so uh, I pray for the working of the Holy Spirit here. Holy Spirit, will you work amongst us? May this not just be the words of man, but Lord, may it be the word of God. And may we be able to receive it as the word of God tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to ask you a question maybe to start off with. Is, uh, and you don't need to personally respond to this, but uh, I'd love to you, each of you where you're sitting tonight to think of a time when you took a step of faith. And I'm talking about other than giving your life to the Lord and committing your life to the Lord. Just take a moment to think of a time 
when you took a step of faith. So you, you had a sense God spoke to you, and then you obeyed the Lord and you, you took a step of faith. I want you to keep that in your mind tonight because I want you to bounce that off, what I'm going to say in just a moment. And you see, while it's important for us to know, and we're going to look a little bit at, at what uh, the writers to the Hebrews was getting at when he was writing to the people in his day, what's even more important is for us to know what God is saying to us as believers in our day. And, 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 and I think what Hebrews 11 is saying to us today is that while every generation of Christians who have gone before us, our forefathers, maybe our grandparents, and maybe our parents who knew the Lord, all live by faith, we also need to live by faith. And we've got to ask ourselves a question, what does it mean for, for me to live by faith? And, and there's one thing that I've realized, my friends can't live my faith for me. My parents can't live my faith for me. I've got to do it. I, I may need to watch their life. I need to see what they've done, but I need to live my own walk of faith. And so, um, and so when we look at the Bible, we see, we see people like Gideon. And we think, yeah, it was Gideon. Here was this guy that, he remember, he had 300 men. And he goes up against an army of about 185 men, and he conquers them. And he said, wow, like, that's awesome stuff. And God says, and so what about you? And what about me? And what does it mean for me to live by faith? Maybe we, we can think of, and we'll look at this a, a little bit tonight, of, of somebody like Abraham. And Abraham heard, heard God calling him. And, and Abraham had these amazing promises that God gave to him. And, and Abraham steps out and he's obedient to God because of all the promises uh, that God gave to him. But, but you and I have got to know the promises God has given to us as well. It's no good for us to say we admire these guys and they're awesome people. And wow, what heroes of faith. The question we've got to ask ourselves is, what about us? What about us as a generation? In Hebrews chapter 10, which is the chapter just before we get into what we're going to look at tonight, the writer says this, but my righteous one will live by faith. And then he goes on to say, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. These are the words of the Lord. I'll not be pleased by those who shrink back. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. And it's important that we get inspired by other people's uh, faith. It's important to talk about what other people are doing. But each one of us has to be living by faith for ourselves. So when we get to Hebrews chapter 12, the chapter after that, if we can go to the next verse, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us. So he, the, the writer's going to point back to all these great uh, men and women of faith and the things that they've done. And then he, he lands it and he says, since we've got all this cloud of witnesses, we've got all the stories of what people have done before us, therefore, let us. Well, what are we going to do with that? And his burden is not just to inspire these Jewish believers who were being persecuted. It's way, way more than that. His goal that he wanted them to realize that they needed to live by faith. Now, if we are going to live by faith today, then probably to me one of the most important things we need to know is 
What does it mean to live by faith? What is the definition of faith? That's the critical thing, because that's, that's where the writer of Hebrews starts. He, he gives us a definition of faith, and I want to tell you why he does that. Because there's so many Christians who are really confused about what it means to, to live by faith. I, I want to give you an example of what I mean. Uh, we, we have people who say that they have faith because they have a strong conviction or a strong feeling about what they believe God might be saying to them. Some people say, well, it's, it's a, having a very strong feeling about what we believe God is saying. Maybe that's for you. Uh, others would say that faith is, is being really positive about something that we believe. Or others say that faith is really, really believing what we really, really are wanting to happen. And I've got news for you, none of those are faith. Because a lot of people have this sort of sense that faith is, is kind of feeling strongly about something, or it's kind of believing something that's going to happen. But, but look, let's look at the, the Scripture, what it says. Faith is being, what's it say there? Sure of. Okay? Let's say that together. Faith is being sure of. And it goes on to say of what we hope for and certain of. So faith is being sure of and certain of. Are you okay with that? So, so let's read that together. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. And, and to me, those, those are quite strong, strong words. They mean to have absolutely no doubt in our minds whatsoever about what we're hoping for and what we do not see. Would you, would you be happy with that? The problem is the what we're hoping for and do not see bit. Because we can hope for anything. And just because you're certain about anything that you're hoping for doesn't make it faith, does it? And so, so really what, what the writer is saying to us, that the only way we can be absolutely sure, the only way we can have no doubt about something we are hoping for is when we have proof that what we are waiting for and what we are hoping for will happen. Would you agree with me? You can be absolutely sure when you've got proof. Are you okay with that? In other words, if, if you, are, are, you are hoping there's going to be music tonight, and then Trevor switches on the music, then we say, now we're absolutely sure. Let, let, me, give you, uh, let me give you a little bit of a, an example of what I mean. So some years ago when I was living in East London, I entered a competition. And the competition was to win a mountain bike. And you know, when I entered the competition, I was really, really hoping that I would win the mountain bike. But then I had a phone call from the organizers of the competition, and they phoned me to say, you have won the mountain bike. Now, when they told me that I'd won the mountain bike, the hoping for became sure of. Does that make sense to you? Suddenly, I was no longer hoping maybe if, but suddenly I was absolutely sure that now the mountain bike was mine, and that's what started me cycling. It was the first prize that I ever won. But, but do you understand where I'm going to? Because when we talk about faith being sure of what we hope for, we've got to say, when does that, that become a certainty? When do I, do I become con, convinced of that? And it's when we have evidence or proof. Now, that's the whole point that the, the, Hebrew, the writer to the Hebrews is, is going on to talk about. He's talking about this, and let me make this clear. 
Faith is being sure of what we hope for. And what he means by what we hope for is what God has spoken in his word. Does that, that make sense to you? In other words, when God speaks, and we are absolutely sure that we believe what God says, that's having faith. And, and, and how do you know that you can be sure of what, that what God has said is true? Well, he says, let me prove it to you. I'll show you over and 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 over that every time God speaks, He has been faithful to His Word and He honors His Word because God is faithful. Does that make sense to you? Somebody said to me this morning after I preached, so how do you know what God is saying? Well, can I introduce you? I've got a good book for sale over here. There are 34,000 verses in this book. And I believe, and I know many of us believe, this is God's word to us. And if you want to know what God is saying, let's start in the Bible. And I'm, and I'm not against prophetic words and, and words that God may speak to us, but I believe we need to go back and check them against the Bible. My, my, one of my, my big steps of faith for me, and I asked you to think about uh, what that was for you. One of my big steps of faith was, um, I, was, I, was in a, a I was a clothing buyer for a national company, and, and I was at a Christian meeting. It was a youth meeting one evening, and when the, 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 the guy was preaching uh, at, after we'd had some worship, I had a sense in my heart, God was speaking to me. And this is what I sense God was saying, resign from your job. I want you to go and join a Christian team that was traveling on the roads. And that was quite a radical step for me. And this was my career. This is what I was involved in. I, I loved what I was doing. I was really blessed and privileged. I felt it was God's gift to me. And it was amazing. And, and there I was sitting in this meeting. And, and I had the sense of, and all it was was a sense of, as the preacher was preaching, I'm hearing the Holy Spirit saying to me, John, resign. This is for you. And I'm saying to myself, maybe the feeling will go. No, seriously. Maybe the feeling will go by tomorrow morning. And after the meeting, I'm sitting right near my youth pastor in the church, and he says, by the way, John, did you feel the Lord was speaking to you tonight? I kind of said, oh, maybe. You know, it's kind of like I'm sitting like my heart is going, and maybe. But here's the important thing. And I, I didn't respond. There was an appeal for anybody that's, had a sense that God was speaking to them, that they can come forward, we'll have some prayer with them. And I just said, what about if I'm wrong? What happened if it was just a great moment and a great uh, meaningful time and I, I've missed the boat and here I'm going to resign my job and do all of this? And then I carried on every day with my normal devotions, the time I spend with the Lord praying in the Word. And guess what happened? Every day that I read the Word, God said the same thing to me over and over and over again. By the time the week was over, I phoned the guys up and said, I'm in. And I went and resigned my job, not because I had a feeling from a meeting, but because every time I got into the Word, God confirmed it over and over and over again. And that's what's why I'm in ministry day and full-time ministry today as I am as a pastor of a church. It all started there with me obeying God, but it was a massive step for me to take. And sometimes it is a mass massive step um, for us to take. And so 
What God wants us to be aware of and what the Bible wants us to be aware of is this. God is faithful. And when God speaks, God is always faithful to His Word. So let's look, let's just go back a little bit to Hebrews chapter 6 because that's what the writer's putting his finger on. He says, men, speaking about people like you and me, swear by someone greater than themselves. In other words, we want to make a point. We we want to say, I want to tell you I'm being absolutely, absolutely true in what I say. I I want to say to you, you you can stand on what I'm saying. And he says, men swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath that they take confirms what he said and puts an end to all argument. No more argument. This guy's true, for, for real. But then goes on to say, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purposes very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. In other words, God swore by himself. There's no other name greater than the name of God, and so God swears by himself. And God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for, God to lie. We who have fled to take hope of the hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. Friends, I want to say to you, God does not lie. Conversely, if, if we turn that around, in other words, if we want to say, well, if we, we turn this whole principle around, when what we're hoping for irrespective of how nice it sounds, irrespective of how spiritual it sounds, if it's not based on what God said, it's not faith. Does that make sense to you? And I'll tell you why I'm saying that. I think we've signed God's name next to a whole lot of stuff he never said. And people are saying, I'm stepping out in faith, and everybody's saying, so where did you get that from? And I want us to be a generation that steps out in faith, but we need to base it on what God has said. That's the important thing. That's why we've got this definition. It's being sure of what we hope for, and what we hope for is based on what God has said. And what we do not see is based on what God has said in the Word. Okay? So then, so then what the writer does, he goes on, and that's where the rest of the chapter goes to, is he begins to speak about people who demonstrated their faith in God by what they did. In other words, these were people who believed God, and they believed God so much that they did what God said. And there's example after example after example of that, uh, and, that and that's what we're going to uh, we're going to look at. So, and, and here's something I, I do feel I want to emphasize tonight. We do not believe God because of feelings. We do not believe God because of feelings. Because sometimes your feelings are right, going to be right, and sometimes they're going to be seriously wrong. If we, and, and, and I say that tonight because we are such a feely, feely generation. I mean, I've said this to people, and I know you've said it to people as well, when you're talking about the Lord, I feel. I feel. We've got to stop saying, I feel. We've got to start saying, God has said. Because that's, that's, that's more a conversation that we need to have when we begin to, to talk about faith. Now, Hebrews 11, 
is not trying to make heroes out of people. I, I'm, I, I don't know if I've said this tonight. I might have. We, we talk about the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. I don't think they are heroes at all. What the writer is doing is pointing out over and over again, people did what they did because God was faithful. The hero of the story is God. It's not people. These were people who had weaknesses. These were people who struggled sometimes with their faith. But the point is they kept on doing what they were doing because God is faithful and God is always going to be faithful. And so let's have a look at some of them. Do you, some of you remember the guy by the name of Noah. You know what Noah did? He built quite a big boat. But, but the important thing is, why did he build a boat? Anybody tell me why Noah built a boat? An ark. God told him to. Why did God tell him to? I can't hear. A flood. Why was there going to be a flood? Because the people were sinful. Why did God say to know? There, there's, there's the verse. I'm going to put an end to all people. Do you know that God has said there's coming a day when Jesus will come to judge all people again? Do you believe that one? I'm going I'm to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence. Does that sound like today? And because of them. And I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth, so make yourself an ark. And guess what? Only Noah and his family believed God, and only Noah and his family are saved. I want to say to you, if people really believe that Jesus is coming again and there's going to be a day of judgment, you will put your faith in God and trust him like Noah and his family did because it's the only way you're going to be saved. Noah was quite an old guy when he died, but older than me. Can you imagine over the years as Noah's building an ark, people are laughing at him? What a joke. Do you really expect us to believe there's going to be a flood? Why in the world are you building this funny looking thing in the middle of nowhere? You know what I've realized? People say that to us as well. Why do you want to be a stupid Christian? Why do you want to believe all that Christian stuff? You're crazy, man. Oh, yeah? Until the flood comes. Then who's the crazy person? And I want to say to you today, because we believe that Jesus is coming again and we have put our faith in him, we too will be saved. What about Abraham? Abraham's quite an interesting story. Abraham, you know where Abraham lived? I'll tell you how I always remember it, so that you'll never forget it. Uh, he came from Ur of the Chaldees. Where's Abraham? Uh, will you remember that? And, and this was an incredibly modern, up-to-date city that he was living in with all the comforts of Cape Town. And, and God says to him, I want you to leave your, your, your family 
and I want you to leave your country, and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you, and you're going to live in a tent for the rest of your life instead of your fancy home in Ur. And Abraham goes because he believes what God has said. Look at it. There it is, Hebrews 12. Leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land. I will show you. He believed God would show him. And I will make you into a great nation. Remember, Abraham had no kids. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Imagine what people said to him, like they say to some missionaries, are you crazy leaving your home? Why in the world would you want to go to some unearthly place to go and talk to people about Jesus when you can do it in Cape Town? Because God said so. And I believe God. And I want to obey God. That's faith. Then you've got Moses. Remember Moses, remember when God first spoke to Moses and he said, I want you to go and lead my people out of slavery. Moses said, you got the wrong guy. You would have thought, standing in front of a burning bush and you hearing the voice of God, you would have thought the guy would have said, I'm in. He said, I'm out. See, Moses had messed up a little bit. And he'd killed some Egyptians, and he had to flee and run away. Even although he was brought up in the palace, he had to run away. And then God says, you're going back, and you're going to lead my people. And you said, God, have you got any idea how powerful Pharaoh is? And God said, absolutely, but you know he's talking to you. And so Moses goes, and he leads the people out. He, it says he did not fear Pharaoh, because the Lord had spoken to him. I, um, I was thinking about, um, when I was preparing this message, of, of a guy who was um, uh, a plastic surgeon in East London. And, um, and he was a very, very successful man. And what he used to do once a year, he'd go into the mercy ship and he'd go and do some plastic surgery. He'd go to places where people didn't have access to medical facilities and, and would minister to people there. And I'll never forget, he came back the one year. And he said, I'm selling up my practice. I'm selling my house on the river, selling my boat, selling my nice car, and I'm giving this all up because I believe God wants me to go and serve him. And everybody said, you're crazy. And today, as I'm standing here, he's working on the mercy ship where people don't have access to doctors like him and medical facilities because he said, God called me to be a blessing to the nations. Then the writer, and I, I obviously can't go through all of the names, but the, the writer goes on and he talks about Gideon. And Gideon went to battle with an army that was 600 times bigger than the 300 men that he had with him. And he had a victory over them because he believed God. You remember Joshua? conquered Jericho because God told them to go and walk around the city once for six days, the seventh day seven times, and then shout and the whole walls would fall down. I mean, that sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? But God said, so Joshua obeyed. 
The Bible says uh, over in Hebrews 11 that women saw their dead raised to life. Lady's son died, took her son to the prophet, and he prayed for him, and her son was raised to life again. That's all the exciting part of faith. Let me read to you the not-so-exciting part of faith. Others withstood torture and would not give in. Do you know that's also faith? And, and he says, all because they believed that God was faithful and would do what he said he would do. And if we're going to be people of faith in our day, we've got to stand up to the giants of our day like David stood up against Goliath. And there may not be physical giants, but there are some giants the church needs to stand up against. The giants of poverty, the giants of racism, all of the giants of the injustices in our society. It's time for the church to stand up and say we stand against that in the name of the Lord. That's faith. We need to refuse to give in to the pressure being put on us by our culture to compromise. Like the people who said, even though you torture us, we will not bow the knee. We've got to be obedient and go where God calls us just like Abraham did. And the point that I want to make is sometimes it works out the way we thought it was going to and other times it costs, and they are both faith. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but we can go to the next verse, please. Makes a very interesting comment at the end of Hebrews 11. Look at this. These were all commended for their faith. In other words, they trusted God, they were obedient. Yet none of them received what had been promised. That sounds weird, doesn't it? It seems like they did receive what they'd been promised. I mean, Lower Bilkton, Arkany got saved. Was, didn't he receive what was promised? Uh, and yet God is saying in the word over here that, that they did not receive what had promised. Now, here's the thing that I want you to realize. People have faith for their personal circumstances, but people have faith in what's coming in eternity. And there's an eternal picture that God is painting. I'll tell you what those guys, for those guys, the eternal picture was. When God said, all the nations will be blessed through you. God said, there's coming a day when the nations of the world will be blessed. And people were saying, that's what we are holding out for. We're holding out for a better city and a better country than the one we live in over here. It's called a new Jerusalem. It's called the coming of Jesus. And it's coming, it's us being with him forever. That's what they're holding on to. And look at this. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. All of those guys that we've been reading about were waiting for the day when we would be made perfect when Jesus comes and together we're going to receive the final promise. I mean, that's like awesome stuff. You know when people believed that? The Bible says, verse 37 and 38, they were stoned. 
They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated, and the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, caves and holes in the ground because they believed there's a better future. I trust that you'll live, that you and I live by faith now. But the one thing we've got to say, there's a better future. There's something better that's coming. But I want to finish by, by talking about three practical things that I think we need to be doing so that we can keep living by faith. The first one, deal with the stuff that keeps holding us back. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In other words, the writer is saying to those, those Jewish believers, I know there are things that are, are tempting you, trying to draw you back, draw you away from following Jesus and trusting in Jesus, and you need to deal with that stuff. And I want to say, we've got our stuff to deal with today as well. Sometimes it's the fear of people. Sometimes it's the cost that's involved. Sometimes it's our own flesh and our own fears that overwhelm us. And he's saying, deal with that stuff. You see, when I last read Jesus, he said, anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And I know about you, but that sounds like I've got to lay it all down. Every bit of it. I think Jesus was absolutely serious about that. I was saying... You need to put everything on the table before him. You've got, to sac you've got to lay down everything, your dreams, your desires, your everything, and say, God, you're the center. I think one of the things that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles is the thing called self. And how often aren't we right in the center? I was really convicted of that the other day. I've been praying about a lot of things and, that were going on and in the church and in my own life. And as I was praying, I just sensed the Lord saying to me, John, this is all about you. Now I had to really go to the Lord and say, Lord, I repent of that. Because it has to be about Him, His kingdom, His will being done. That's the key thing. And so we're going to need to deal with the stuff. And, and I, I don't want anybody to sit in judgment here tonight. We've all got to deal with our stuff every day. This is not for some people who are terrible and they need to deal with their stuff. We've all got stuff. How many times do you doubt during the average course of the week? How many times do you feel challenged? How many times do you feel a little bit fearful and a little bit anxious and God's spoken to me and is it going to really work out? And we've got to deal with that stuff and bring it to the Lord and we've got to repent of it. See, it's not wrong to doubt. It's, a, it's wrong to allow yourself to be controlled by that. Second thing, keep trusting God when you don't feel like trusting anymore. <laughs> I think that's, that to me is quite a, quite a big one. Let us run with perseverance. There are some people sitting in this building here tonight who've pushed through. They've pushed through when they were discouraged. They've pushed through 
when they were disappointed. They pushed through when they went through hard times. They pushed through. That's what the word persevere means. And there are going to be times you need to push through. I, I wish faith was just like, oh God, now I just have this beautiful feeling. It's, not, it's more like God said, I get out, I begin to do it, and then I face the challenges of actually being obedient. And welcome to the real world, because in this world you'll have tribulation. Anybody that tells you being a Christian means it's all going to be fine has just lied to you. I found it tougher being a Christian than being a non-Christian. Because I've had to have faith and I've had to trust God. And the last thing, stay focused on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Isn't it interesting that we've got Noah and Abraham and Gideon and Joshua and all of these guys. He finishes off by saying, don't look at them, look at Jesus. You know that the perfect model and example of faith was Jesus. Jesus is our model. Jesus is our example. Jesus is the one that must inspire us because he never faltered along the way. Even when it came to him knowing he was going to be crucified and betrayed and the greatest injustice that's ever happened on the face of the earth is when uh, sinful men nailed the Son of God to a cross. He said, not my will, but your will be done. You really want to get encouraged, look at Jesus. Don't look at Noah. Don't look at a pastor. For heaven's sake, don't. Look at Jesus. You see, the church is not about you looking at me or some other pastor or some great hero of faith or somebody who's got a healing ministry. It's looking to Jesus. We follow Jesus as the church. That's what we're called to do. But then there's another reason let's look to Jesus. He's the author and he's the perfecter. See, the reason you're sitting here tonight if you know Jesus is because he came and he sought after you. And he revealed himself to you. And he allowed the, the unbelief that was in your heart to begin to clear away so that you could understand what he had done for you, what he has done for you. He's the author. He's the one who did it all. And the great thing is, he's the one who finished the job at the end of the day. You know what? I'll get to heaven because of what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. My hope is in Jesus. My hope is in Jesus. Your hope is in Jesus. You will be saved because of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. This is as we as we pray before we we spend some time in worshiping. I think that God is wanting to encourage us tonight. 
I, want, I believe God wants to encourage us by reminding us that He is faithful. The people that the Bible talks about who had great faith, who really struggled. I mean, the Bible says Abraham had great faith and he believed God was going to give him a child and he got involved with Hagar. He kind of did a bit of a detour along the way, but he still was a man of faith because he trusted God. And God remained faithful. I want to say to you tonight, God is going to remain faithful. Some of you have taken a step of faith, and now you're standing like Peter, and you're saying, oh, is this going to work out? And I want to say to you, if you've put your faith in what God has said, it will. Because God is faithful. Don't take my word for it. Take the Bible's word for it. The God whom we serve is a faithful God. I believe God wants us to be a generation of faith. There needs to be the continuance of Hebrews chapter 11 about what the people at Connect Church did as they followed Him, as they put their faith in Him, as they went to different parts of the world, as they obeyed what God was saying to them. And God writes the story and it will only be written in heaven and there will be a book that's written about all of the acts of faith because Connect Church believed in God. And they believed what he was saying. And so I pray for you and I pray for myself tonight that God will stir up faith in our hearts again. There are massive challenges around us. But may I say to you, God is bigger. God is faithful. God will honor his word. He's calling us as his church, and he's saying, come church, follow me as I lead you. And I pray for you tonight. May you be encouraged. May your faith rise tonight. May you be encouraged tonight. May you fix your eyes on Jesus tonight. May you be in the word of God, just savoring and sitting with the promises and saying, wow, God spoke and God spoke in here and God spoke in here. And every time you read that, you say, and God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful. He's our faithful God. So let's stand and sing and worship. I think we have to um, just respond to that, I think. So just take some.